We're gonna take a look at a report from Headset on topicals and their performance. Um, looking at market share trends over the last few years that topicals have been almost at uh, 1% of total market share. Colorado is doing a little bit better at 1.33. And then within the topical category, there's gonna be lotions, salves, gels, creams, all making a majority of category sales at around 75% of topicals in the US and about 53% in Canada. So we're gonna dive in all of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So looking at total market share of topicals in the U.S. and Canada, it looks like topicals are approaching a limit or some kind of saturation or market share that's available within the greater spending for customers. So in the U.S., growing at a steady rate uh, in 2018, reaching a peak uh, well, 1.9% in December of that year. And ever since that point, they've been decreasing in market share in the U.S. until it leveled out around 0.8% in April of 2020. Topicals were introduced in Canada just in January of 2020 with other cannabis 2.0 products and has reached a peak market share of about 0.6% in August of 2021. So that tells me that people were buying it. That was not, a, uh, the value wasn't there. So taxes are too high, prices are too high. If you buy a $20 bath bomb, was it enough? Did it really make you feel uh, you know, that it was worth going back and buying it again? No. I worked on a project in 2018 for this inhaler using THCO acetate. And uh, it was um, really expensive. So basically $120 for this thousand milligram, uh, five milligram per puff. And it uh, was 120 bucks. So people would try it once because of the novelty you want to use it on a plane or a hospital or anywhere that you can't vape or smoke. Uh, that's great. But what happens when you want to go back and buy it again? You don't see those people. So when you look at, uh, you know, some of the, the earlier states or, or the legacy states, California, Colorado, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, and then the new emerging markets like Arizona, Michigan, uh, you can see some trends that are, are separate. So both the, the, new, uh, the new states, the new emerging markets, and then the, the old existing legacy states, you can find that topicals tend to be somewhat similar. Uh, market share fell through the end of May of 2020, further declining through the pandemic in all of the markets except Colorado, where the topicals are seeing an increase in share uh, for the most recent quarters. Topicals are seeing total sales during that time, um, seeing growth during that time, but growing slower than other product categories, resulting in a falling market share. So sales and legacy U.S. markets, about $8 million in November of 2021. That's up about 10% uh, from November of 2020. And again, that's going to be all about value, right? People are going to come back to it once they see that the prices have come down and it's going to be something they go back to. I wouldn't buy a coffee for $15 more than a novelty. When I go to Oregon, where it's available, it's not here in Washington, uh, the home of Starbucks, but there is... K cup coffee, but it's not coffee. People, uh, grab and go, ready to drink uh, is infused. It's available in Portland, fifteen bucks. And, and again, I, I buy that like maybe once a year, just as kind of a novelty. Social media, try it, whatever. But uh, it's expensive. So um, break it down: topical market share by market. 
and kind of see that um, there's an individual state in Providence that uh, the largest market share in the older markets, the legacy markets at like Colorado and California and Washington, uh, you see that they've got a larger market than in more established like Colorado, Washington that, that have the largest market share. So segment shares within topicals that are lotions, salves, gels, and creams commanding the dominant portion of sales in both countries. In the U.S., it's accounting for a whopping 75% of total topical sales January to September and this year. And then in Canada, uh, there's more diversity in the segment market share. So lotions, salves, gels, and creams account for uh, 53%. But there's also then two other segments that are contributing to topical sales in Canada, bath salts, Soaks and scrubs have a market share of 20%, and then the transdermal patches have a market share of 22%. So big fan of the transdermal patch. I did a base-to-space race up the Space Needle, had a transdermal patch on, really, really helped with that. Um, so it's kind of interesting that they have their own segment under, over there. How much are people paying for stuff? Looks like the average item price within the topical category in the U.S. has been consistent since January of 2020. Canada, though, they've experienced some more uh, volatile pricing patterns throughout the last year and a half. So uh, Canada's strong growth in the price of topical products from March of 2020 until a peak of around October of 2020 with an average price of around 46 Canadian dollars. So since the topical categories were new in Canada around that time, that initial price of new products can be high and there's um, constrained supply with any new rollout, right? So new brands, new products into the market and the supply increases able to better meet the consumer demand. That's simple supply and economics, dropping the price back down to reality, uh, generally triggering that, that price competition amongst brands and then uh, compressing to a sustainable price level. And that's what's happening in Canada right now, bringing the price down to like mid thirties on an average price product. And then in Canada, the number of products in the market increases, the average item price tends to decrease, and that negative correlation between price and product availability occurs as new products are increasing competition in the space, resulting in falling prices. But we find that prices tend to stabilize around 18 months, uh, and topicals in Canada are no exception, so the prices are stabilizing around that 13-month period after that introduction of topicals in that 2.0 rollout, finally seeing the market come down. So have faith, folks, people in Michigan and these other places with like you know, $60, $80 grams of concentrate and stupid prices, it always comes back down. It might take like forever, um, 18 months, but shoot, it's um, better than paying those prices indefinitely. Package sizes are interesting. Washington state doesn't sell a whole lot of one grams anymore. Um, and we're kind of seeing more people transitioning to bulk, probably because it's just cheaper, especially if you have limits, like who wants to stand on those lines? So I go out and buy an ounce every single time. I don't even mess around. So I think a lot of other people are maybe following that. They don't want to stand on the lines. They want a discount. Um, or maybe they just finally know what they want and they're just going all in. So you can see unit volume by package size in the U.S. and Canada. There's some distinct differences. The U.S.'s larger volume sizes with over 300 milligrams are leading the market capture by almost 21% for topicals. In Canada, that same package size is only 9% of sales. So complete contrast to the U.S. topical products. Uh, and absolutely no THC leading the topical category in Canada with... Um, almost 30% of sales. 
CBD in the U.S., big, you know, CBG, probably going to be coming out pretty good focus and anti-inflammation. Kind of use that for my shoulder. I use CBN at night for some similar, um, you know, effects, calm, relaxation, anti-anxiety, uh, anti-inflammation, all that good stuff. Um, there's for non-combustible products that have CBD are popular um, in the U.S., so that's kind of leading the trend for every four topicals in the U.S. There's um, either a CBD or THC. Uh, three contained either CBD or THC or were CBD only. So you can see products that contain CBD with the highest shares in topicals, and that's been trending for a while. Uh, but some markets like California are capsules getting some CBD market share captured there. Uh, products containing CBD increased slightly less than 50% of unit volume to nearly 80% through the last two years. But how many of them are coming back again? So these may be just new folks in new states and the other ones aren't coming back. Maybe they thought there would be a psychoactive component where you got high. Maybe they didn't realize it's kind of like vitamin C. You don't feel it. You just have to trust that it's working. Um, I don't really know why they're not coming back, but uh, a lot of the snake oil BS out there is uh, probably a big reason is because of what they're getting is garbage. Uh, but looking at different age groups for, for spending. So younger population are at a lower level for topicals. They don't need it. So it's obviously like Gumby doesn't need to, to get some balm for, for um, ailments that they have. It's going to be mostly older people, right? So they're spending lower percentage on, on uh, topicals. Uh, as a population ages, the affinity to topicals increases. I think that's fairly obvious. Women being kind of the um, majority of household purchases and um, bath salts and, and uh, all of that. So baby boomers definitely contributing to about 16% of the topical sales. Um, but only 4.8% of the entire cannabis market. So they're very selective on what they want. They don't want psychoactive THC. Uh, on the flip of the coin, you look at millennial males, they're 34% of spend, spending in the cannabis market, but only contribute 20% of topical sales. That's still a pretty healthy chunk though. And then top five brands in massage and oils and lubes, uh, sexual health and wellness topicals uh, in the U.S. Massage oils and lubes makes up 4.6 of all topical sales. So people don't want to just feel good. They want to like, you know, feel good. So that's uh, 3.8 million in sales. Top five brands within that are, um, yeah, some companies, whatever. doesn't matter. Um, I think, I, you know, I, I haven't gone out and, and bought more. I bought some lubes. I bought massage. I bought bombs. I, I, I get all these things. Um, there's very few companies I go out and buy more of. So, um, there's a couple of tinctures and stuff that I, I really enjoy a couple of balms that I really enjoy. Um, and I think once you figure that out, you know, you don't really go back. Um, and none of them are, are those companies, although I have met some of those companies and they make some decent stuff. Uh, emu oil is good, but I think there's a patent on that. So I'm not sure if they're violating that patent or not. I don't know. Looking at top Canadian brands and massage oils, Canada, almost identical portion of sales, 4.6 with a few brands leading the charge. Um, so beyond massage oils and lubes, we're seeing kind of a myriad of new and interesting sexual health products emerging across the U.S. and Canada from 
uh, Playboy kind of coming out and stuff. Fairwinds has been around for a while. They're here local in Washington, uh, focusing on brands for menstrual relief. Um, uh, Hello Again was a company I just interviewed who have um, vaginal suppositories for menstrual cramps. I thought that was really interesting. Um, Someone's going to have to tell me about that. I don't know if that's going to work for me. Uh, so kind of exciting to see how topicals work out. I went on a 420 store in Tacoma, Washington, kind of a, a blue collar, 20 minutes south uh, with no traffic. <laughs> and this, the rec store said the number one product was a topical. And I'd like damn near fell over. Uh, really bizarre. So um, all in all, it looks like uh, relaxing in the tub or providing some much needed relief from aches and pains that topicals are going to be that essential product for a lot of consumers uh, that... Um, want to have something other than cannabis for a variety of reasons. Some need help assessing the opportunities in the topical market. Uh, and that's when you come back to the talking hedge. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the talking hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Elland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.